your hour of drive time. It, it, it begins now with your host, Jay Mamie, on the Jay Mamie Talk Show. Good day, everyone, and welcome once again to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. This is Jay Mamie, and you have now entered your hour of Thrive Time. Today, my friend, I want to thank all of you for listening in. You're catching this show on Thanksgiving Day weekend. I hope that every single one of you had a fabulous time with your family, friends, coworkers, colleagues, uh, those that you like and those that you don't like. <laughs> Everyone's welcomed at the table when we're talking about a time of fellowship and being thankful and grateful. And I just want to say to you that I'm thankful for all of you who have made this show, this highly rated show that it is. Those of you that continue to share this program with your friends and your family, I get all the emails, I get the text messages, I get the LinkedIn messages, Facebook messages on an ongoing basis from so many of you that I know, so many of you that I don't know that you mentioned you heard the show through someone who shared the rebroadcast, the link that I post every week. Uh, I wanted to just let you know that it, it really does my heart good to know that our show is impacting and influencing and instructing and inspiring and improving the lives of others is the reason why we do this week to week to week and we have no signs of stopping. In fact, the programming coming up now for 2023, uh, as we are now in November of 2022, the the, the tail end of the year, uh, we're going to have a fabulous programming, fabulous show, uh, showtime, fabulous programming for 2023. I hope that you are ready to see what we're going to do as we transition to another avenue of uh, broadcasting, which would be TV broadcasting. I think I let the cat out of the bag a little bit, but we'll talk more about that coming up in the next few weeks. But again, thank you for making this program the success that it is. I'm grateful for every single one of you. In fact, you're more and welcome to catch up on all of my prior broadcasts by hopping on to your favorite podcast platform. You can hear the show there, The Jay Mamie Talk Show, or you can visit the talk show at thejmamietalkshow.com. And while you're at it, make sure you hop onto my regular site, thejmamie.com. There you'll find a bunch of my goodness spread out all over the place, books, vlogs, videos, and all sorts of good things that allow you to get to know me a little bit better and hopefully uh, continue to follow me with all the goodness that we're bringing to the world now and as the future unfolds. But today's show is going to be fantastic yet again. We have two amazing guests that are going to be here to share with us not only why they are best-selling authors, but why they are so in demand as coaches, as gurus, as speakers, nationally and internationally. We'll have a chance to hear a little while from Chris Tuff, popular author. We're also going to hear from Terry Kajala, one of the most recognized female voices on the uh, wellness space, the well-being space, the law of attraction space. Uh, she's just so full of energy. You'll pick up on that as soon as we have a chance to hear from her in a little while. But I want to take the next few minutes to address something that I feel is so important because this show is about providing content that it's uh, that it, it helps you thrive it helps you get to the next level right and sometimes our subject uh, content is typical and, and it's certainly unique and insightful uh, but I like to dive into at times content that maybe it's not so sexy and we've tackled depression and we've tackled family issues and we've tackled how do you continue to stay focused on your goals and, and, and stay the course on your journey and keep 
positive and thrive-minded when everything else around you is going to hell, right? So it's important that we cannot sugarcoat the realities of life when we are on a journey to expand and to grow and to and to become a better version of ourselves, whether that is uh, as in our family experiences, our business experiences, our careers, our financial experiences, our health experiences. We have to recognize that there are realities that we're faced with. Uh, we can't escape them. And they do play a major role in our ability to thrive. And today I want to talk about how do you thrive when you're grieving? Now, I know it almost sounds crazy, right? When you're grieving, how can you thrive? Well, I'm not talking about thriving when you're grieving. I mean, how do you still continue to keep your eye on the target? How do you continue to still have a thrive-minded approach and a mentality when you are in a process of grieving a loss? Especially now as we're entering into a holiday season, we feel the impact of loss so much more than throughout the year. I mean, loss is something that we are going to experience. It doesn't matter what time of the year it is, right? But you and I both know that as as you have the holiday seasons and families are getting together, it's noticeable when someone is missing from the table. So how do you continue to thrive? I want to share with you seven points. And these seven points, my friends, unfortunately come from a place of experience. I lost my father many, 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 many years ago. Right as I was getting ready to compete in my first bodybuilding show, which I had trained, I lost my father. I had to, I had to learn how to grieve and still stay focused on thriving. And recently I, I lost my mother as well. Uh, in fact, we lost her very, very recently. The, the wound uh, is still there. Um, so what better way to really engage in this conversation and only personally going through it and have been through it, but many of you and many of my friends who have this year lost children and co-workers and partners in business. How do you continue to thrive? Well, let me give you seven pointers here that, are, that I know will help many of you who are either going through it or maybe one day we'll go through it. The first thing I want to recognize, these seven points of how do you thrive through grief, is remember that you cannot not acknowledge that you have a loss. In other words, acknowledging the occurrence, acknowledging that there is a loss, is one of the ways that you become fortified for the journey of recovery. It's recognizing I had a loss. I'm experiencing a void. There's an emptiness in my life right now because the loss of someone dear to me. And I think it's a uh, it's very damaging when you don't acknowledge that and you 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 can live in this world of surrealism, meaning it's you can't believe it's happening, but at at a certain point you have to acknowledge this occurred. The second point I want you to understand is sometimes this loss will bring fear, the fear that you will somehow forget the person who was such an integral part of your life. Now, we hear oftentimes that over the course of a year, two, five, 10, 15 years, 20 years, you forget people. Well, there's a fear that can come upon you that you might have that you will be the one who forgets that person who you've lost. You have to acknowledge that. That's a very real experience. It's a a very real feeling, but you don't have to get into the feeling of fearing as long as you know that that person will always be in your memory, then fear is not something that you have to allow to discourage you, to uh, to really uh, put you in a place where you cannot uh, get to the next level, or more importantly, where fear becomes paralyzing, paralyzing. The third point I'll share with you is it's okay to go into the cave. 
Let me repeat that. It's okay to go into the cave, the cave where no one else is there but you. In other words, you hit the pause button on everything you've got going on and you go into a place where you're going to be alone with your own thoughts and your own emotions so that you can resolve what's happening inside of you. So you could also uh, find that place of quietness in that cave. I know it's very difficult when someone passes away, if you have uh, friends and family, everyone's calling you, everyone's reaching out to you. And what that serves to do is just remind you and remind you of the loss. Sometimes you've got to go into the cave. Hit the pause button as needed and go into your cave so that you can find solace there apart from the ruckus and the reminder that you've just had a loss. Next point is don't abandon ship. Stay the course on your tasks, your goal, whatever you were planning on, whatever you were doing, whatever vision you had, whatever you had that you were working on, whatever relationships you were building, stay connected, stay on task. Don't abandon ship. As I said, you can go to the cave, but that's the difference between abandoning ship and going so far off uh, the course that it becomes very difficult to come back. I've seen those individuals who have taken time during a loss to grieve, but they completely completely abandon ship. They completely disregard every goal, every plan, every proposition that they were working on up until the point they experienced loss, and it made it very difficult for them to come back. Stay connected. Use wisdom. Uh, the opposite of, of really the cave uh, is going into a place where you disappear. In other words, stay connected, but don't disappear so far out that it makes it very difficult to come back once the grieving starts to subside. Let me give you the next point. Sometimes you hear people say, and I think this is a rash statement. I think this is cold. People say, um, you know, you, you, you got to get over it. You, you got to keep moving on. And sometimes those statements are, are hurtful, right? Because they do give somebody a chance to recognize that, hey, I know I've got to move on, but I want to subscribe to you. It's not about keep moving on. Because if you recognize that you have a loss, then you're just sweeping stuff under the rug, right? Hoping that it never happened, hoping that it goes away. No, let me give you the best advice I think that'll help you. It's going to help you to adjust to the new reality. It's not about just keep moving on. It's about just keep moving along. Not moving on as if it never happened, disregarding it, uh, putting behind you. It's a history. No. The loss of someone is something that you will never be able to move on from, but you can move it. You can keep moving along, meaning readjusting your life to the new reality that there is someone who's no longer going to be there physically. You adjust and you keep moving along. Let me give you one other point. I'm going to give you two more points. Make sure that you have a good support group around you, people that will keep you uplifted, people that will keep you staying uh, positive as best that can be, people that will be able to encourage you, people that will be able to put their arms around you and give you that hug when you need it. Don't become so isolated that you don't allow others to love on you. Make sure you have a good support group around you. And by the way, it's usually times like this when you find who your true friends are. Isn't that true? My last point to you, if you're in business and if you're thriving and if you have uh, a company or, or you're, you're ambitious and you are involved in some ambitious pursuit of a goal, then assign those duties to whatever it is that you are working on to competent people that you won't have to be concerned about ruining things, screwing things up, or setting you back when you come back. 
I'm thankful that I have a great group of people around me that will pick up the slack when I'm down or in, a, in this situation here, when I've experienced loss, that I don't have to worry about certain things getting done because I have great people, competent people, reliable people around me that will pick up the slack on those duties. I can assign them those tasks until I'm ready to come back and take the helm again. You can still position yourself to thrive even as you're going through the grieving process. So for those of you who are in that scenario, I hope this helps. For those of you who may find yourself one day in this situation, that these seven pointers are something you can implement and will help you thrive on the other side of grieving. Folks, we're coming back after the break with lots more great content. It's going to be an awesome show. See you after the break. Are your sales lagging? Are you frustrated with your ability to effectively communicate the goodness of your product or service? Could your income greatly benefit from you getting better at selling? Hi, this is Jay Mamie, the host of the Jay Mamie Talk Show and the curator of the Thrive Sales Mastery Course. I want you to know that there are answers on how you can get better at the skill of selling. Go to my course, the Thrive Sales Mastery Course. Get the answers you need so you can experience the results you want. Thrive Sales Mastery. Are you looking to build a dynamic workplace culture that keeps your employees not only retained, but also engaged and empowered to help your business thrive? Discover the secret that many companies in the community have already unlocked, Collin Corporate College, with hundreds of the highest quality, affordable educational programs available and customized to your desired business outcomes. Your success is Collin Corporate College's business. Call them at 972-599-3110. That's 972-599-3110. Welcome back to the Jay Mamie Talk Show with your host, Jay Mamie. Welcome back, everyone, to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. Our first guest today is quite the powerhouse who lives in beast mode all day long. Chris Tuff is not only the author of the best-selling book, The Millennial Whisper, but also the soon-to-be-released Save Your Asks. I love that. Save Your Ask. He is one of the most connected millennials in the world of business, and quite frankly, he's been seen on numerous talk shows, featured in numerous publications. He's a keynote speaker to boot. Chris is just an awesome guy with a great message and a great story, and we're thankful to have him on the show. Chris, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Awesome, brother. Hey, Chris, we've got a lot to unravel here, and we're going to pound. We're going to certainly pack ten pounds of groceries in a two-pound bag. But I want to start off by you sharing with us a little bit about your journey. Lots of people know who you are, but my audience is national, international, and some of them don't know yet. Chris Tuff. That's why you're sure. on the show here. So tell us a little bit about your journey. Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, uh, I usually I start my story with graduated from Vanderbilt University and uh, I had 64 failed job interviews before (laughs) I got my first job. And it's interesting because I I talk about that was important for me because it was through the process of those 64 failed job interviews that I finally ended up getting an interview with something that I was a little bit passionate about, which was was at the time right as the Internet uh, was kind of coming back with marketing. And I interviewed at a digital marketing firm with the 13th employee there. And over the next five years, I made very lateral moves. So I started as an account coordinator, and I didn't really like that. And then I was one of the worst creative copywriters in advertising history. And then I finally fell into this world of social media right as it was coming up in 2006. 
And I ended up sitting across from this young man, Mark Zuckerberg, helping him with his first digital products as he was moving on from colleges to the general public. And it was obviously in that time, people will be like, ask me, hey, so what was it like to meet Mark Zuckerberg? And we had dinner together. He literally did not say a word during Mm -hmm. that dinner. But it was around, I, I kind of grew because of that into one of the first marketers to really, you know, pioneer social media. And so from there, I, uh, that, that became my thing. I had one of the first viral videos uh, ever in, in 2006, where 7 million people saw my engagement. This was before YouTube. Wow. And, uh, and that was to prove to our clients that viral videos are, are, are real. And it was, that's when I got my first kind of social media, quote unquote, department. And, and the rest was really history from then over the kind of next 10 years, I really rode that wave to become a partner uh, where I'm still in a, uh, a partner, uh, 22 Squared, and I helped us really get into this new world of digital and social media. And, and it's interesting during that whole time, I was always surrounded by people that were younger than myself. And, you know, we'll, we'll kind of lead into what was the catalyst for the next stage. But after 10 years, I, I looked around me, around me and I found I was a little bit unfulfilled. I was a lot of bit unfulfilled. I'd hit rock bottom. I was drinking too much. I was flying all over the world, uh, hobnobbing with the who's who. And there was something empty in myself. And so I took a, a month off and we can talk a little bit more about what that was like. But in that time, I changed a handful of things. And, and one was I stopped drinking. Um, two, I doubled down on my family and my two daughters and wife. And then three, I changed my metric of success from beating my brothers in the game of life to my metric of success would be deemed on a daily basis when my head hit the pillow, whether or not I had an impact that day. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it was really in that moment that everything began to change. And so I took the house right down to the foundation and began to rebuild it. And it was about six months into this rebuilding that I was on this executive retreat with 14 guys, average age being 45 years old. And I introduced myself when it came time to introduce myself. I was like, I don't know what I am anymore. I'm no longer really the digital and social guy, but I've kind of become the millennial whisperer. And the guy leading the retreat, uh, after I kind of shared my story, he kicked me by the fire and he goes, you better write that book. I'm like, hmm. what book? He goes, the millennial whisperer. And, and that was where the seed was kind of planted. And I did a four-month print writing the Millennial Whisper, took it to market, and then the rest was kind of history. Um, and we can talk a little bit more about what that looked like. But yeah, that's kind of the journey. You know, it's interesting. You took four months to write the book. And I've heard you say in other interviews that in hindsight, you probably would have uh, given yourself a little bit more time because it was a whirlwind, right? I mean, here you go from no book to a book in four months, and then you started to promote the book. And I mean, you were all over the place. Um, how was that experience to go from not, not writing anything to being called upon to talk about this book that was changing the lives of others? So I talk about it in the realm of currencies. And in my new book, which we'll talk about later, um, Save Your Ask, it's important that we all look at what is that thing that you're offering the world that you're getting paid for that is your currency. And to evolve your currency is a very difficult thing. But what I've found is that one of the most efficient ways of evolving your currency is 
you write a book because mm-hmm. as soon as you publish a book, you become an expert on that subject matter. And that's right. My, so, 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 so to put it in the application, why people sought me out uh, for the first part of my career was I was the digital and social guy. I was the guy that worked with Mark Zuckerberg. Everyone went to me for social media and digital advice. And, and once again, that did no longer aligned to my passions because my passions were to really have an impact with people and, and have impact through people. Uh, my, my purpose is to inspire and connect. Mm. And every single person in my realm knows that my, that's my purpose because I, I remind everyone at every single term. And so when I wrote the book, it wasn't right away, but it was really about three or four months after that I looked around. I was like, oh, my gosh, my, my currency is now culture. And, and I found myself on the main stage at Nike and, and other places talking about how we can better inspire um, the next generation, uh, but really orienting around genuine connection. And, and as I look at myself and like deep inside my head and heart, my whole platform is really about the importance of genuine connection. You know, you mentioned something very, very key that I oftentimes speak about on the show when I have guests, when I'm coaching and so on. I always talk to these folks about your story. Your story, and you call the currency, and you're absolutely right. Your story is your greatest currency if you're willing to share it. Because that yep. can impact the lives of so many. Not oftentimes people say, oh, "I don't have a story." Oh, yeah, you've got a story. For every ear, there's a story to hear, and you were able to uh, to put it together in your book. And look what's happened since then. In the last couple of minutes of this segment, I want to dive back uh, dive back into what you mentioned about hitting rock bottom, uh, dealing with alcoholism. You know, a lot of people struggle with that, but not many have the courage to bounce back and do something significant. I always ask people, what threatens you the most if you don't change? So I wanted to ask, I want to ask you that question. When you were hitting rock bottom, what threatened you the most that forced you to change? So uh, it, it, when you hit rock bottom, you, you have to seek change in your life. And, and one of my platforms is I want to help be a resource for others so they don't have to hit rock bottom. And then to be honest, in retrospect, my rock bottom and, and those around you will say it's actually most people's midpoint, right? Like my rock bottom, I knew that where I was going and I didn't like where it was. And, and I saw in my um, kind of realm of influence, those people that had no ties to alcohol and I had a jealousy, right? Like I was like, gosh, I was enviable of the fact that they could go out and they didn't have to drink to connect with others. And so as I was kind of looking at my life and I, I, I call it a soup, the, the stock of that soup was my alcohol. There were other pieces that I had to kind of take apart, but the biggest piece that led to my ups and downs and anxiety was really my was the dependence on using alcohol as that crutch to, to connect with others. And so I was like, all right, I'm done. I'm mm. taking it out. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm a very all or nothing person. I'm either writing a book or I'm not writing a book. And if I'm going to write the book, it's going to be a national bestseller. I either drink or I don't drink. And so it was in that moment. I was like, all right, I'm done. So I, uh, I, I would suggest as a resource for anyone out there, this naked mind by Annie Grace. And it's such a great, uh, and a handful of my friends will reach out to me constantly and say, all right, Chris, I'm finally done with this thing. What do you suggest? And I, and I give them Andy Grace's book. Actually, my friend Burt Weiss from The Burt Show ta- has talked a lot about his journey. I gave him a copy of This Naked Mind, and I, I don't even know how many copies of This Naked Mind Andy's sold from, from how much Burt's talked about it, but it's such a great tool. 
Listen, I appreciate you sharing that story and uh, and how much it will inspire others. When we come back after the break, I want to dive into something that you speak out often about, which is millennials who seek these champagne uh, champagne moments. I want to talk about that and dive into more of the Millennial Whisper and the next book you've got coming up. And we'll tackle that right after the break. Business owners, do you feel like you're paying more than your fair share of taxes? Is your tax preparer out of ideas? My name is Susan Bryant, CPA and certified tax coach at the MB Group and proud corporate sponsor of the Jane Mamie Talk Show. Tune in during the month of September to hear my favorite tax tips that can keep some big dollars in your bank account. In the meantime, learn more about how we're changing our clients' financial futures at mbgcpa.com. Hi, this is Jay Mamie. As a lifelong fitness enthusiast and professional bodybuilder, I know the importance of removing impurities and flushing out toxins to maintain a healthy colon and intestinal system. This is why I take and recommend Renew from First Fitness Nutrition. It also has helped me replenish my probiotics, which is necessary for a healthy gut. Learn more at healthyfriends.firstfitness.com. Welcome back to the Jay Mamie Talk Show with your host, Jay Mamie. Welcome back, everyone, to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. On the line right now is Chris Tuff. And, man, we're having a fantastic opening conversation that's going to just take it to the next level right now. Chris, on our last segment, I asked you, why is it that millennials are constantly seeking these champagne moments that you talk about? Yeah, so, I mean, first of all, we now have five generations in the workplace. And for the first time ever, unless we look to adapt the way we lead our organizations, they will walk. We have two generations, millennials and Gen Zers, that will walk in, in, unless we meet them on their own terms. And, and one of the places is that we got to meet in the middle on some stuff. And, and one of the things that I find both millennials and Gen Zers suffer from the most, and we all do, really, because we're immersed in social media and it's what I call the Pinterestation of our generation. And it's where everyone is seeking these, these, these ideas, these perfect moments, whether it be the first day of school with that picture of Charlotte, who's holding up the blackboard that Charlotte's first day of school and her favorite thing. It's exhausting. It's absolutely exhausting. And I too have done it. I, I talk about how I hired a fishing guide in Sun Valley, Idaho, and told him the only reason I hired him was to get two Instagram shots. And, and the guy looked at me disgusted and said, you're going to pay $600 for an Instagram shot? I was like, no, $300 each. Let's go. Hmm. And, and it's something that we all suffer from. And because of this reliance on Instagram and social media, there's this idea that only our lives are revolve around champagne moments. And, and so as a leader, one thing I, I tried to both, you know, remind my people as well as myself is that We've got to enjoy the process a little bit more and celebrate all of the small moments that then end up comprising the champagne moments, as well as what leads into my 70-30 rule, which my 70-30 rule is on the first day that someone starts on my team, I have them take their job description and I say, all right, listen, 70% of your job should fire you up and fuel you up. 30% of your job is just going to suck. And that is the reality. So figure out what's in your zone of suck and what's in that zone <laughs> of fire up and fuel you up. And what happens is when you have, like for me, it's Excel. My, my Excel, anything in Excel or accounting is like my 30% zone of suck. So when I have two days of that, 
I know that I just need to get through to the other side to get to the stuff that fires me up. And, and I think it's just an important reminder that our, our lives are not perfect and our jobs are not going to be perfect. So stop trying to think that because we get the grass is always greener complex where people will leave thinking that there's something better out there and that the reality is that there isn't. And I call them boomerangs. When they come back, they're like, actually, Chris, it's not that great outside. Can I come back? And it's like, absolutely. I know you made a mistake. So, yeah, I think that's important. I've heard you talk about the trap of comparing our insides to others' outsides. Now, why is that such a trap? I mean, it, it really leads into this mentality that 100% of life is perfect perfection. And, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of that influence is the way that we consume social media and those, those pieces around us. And I mean, just look at our feeds, right? I mean, look at what's above and below you and then Instagram or, or Snapchat or whatever it is. And so um, we've got to, I remind my people as well as myself, we've got to stop comparing our insides to other people's outsides because people are solely trying to create this persona that their life is perfect. And it's interesting, even like some of my younger employees, one weekend they're posting in Key West, the next weekend they're, they're skiing outside of Denver. And I'm like, I know how much money you make. Are you doing this, are you doing this for the experiences or are you doing it for the gram? The gram. And when they finally talk, they're like, they're doing, they're doing it for the gram. Yep. And so I think that is an important reminder at every turn. You know, that's the danger of social media, uh, my friend, that there's it's such an... Uh, an illusion. You know, I'm teaching my son, my 11-year-old son, he loves magic and he's learning how to do these magic tricks and illusions. And I, I tell him at the end of the day, I said, buddy, it's an illusion. It, it seems real, but it's really not. It's it's a facade. So you can get caught up by watching at all, uh, looking at all these different posts online of other people's lives and then compare what you think is real in their lives to yours and you can get bummed out real quick. <laughs> 100%. Which, which leads me to the next question I want to ask you. I talk a lot about validation addiction. In one yep. of my previous posts, I talk about the subtleties of that addiction when you can get caught up in and the need to be validated in social media, boy, that's one place where people get sucked into that addiction real quick. Would you say that validation addiction is alive and well? Oh, it is alive and well. And I, as a pleaser, I am constantly having to work on that validation addiction at every, uh, in, in all aspects of my life, you know, and, and it's interesting, even with, I have to, I'll ask people, you know, when people get offended, for example, for not getting invited to a meeting, what wants you to be in that meeting, your ego or the, your ability to actually have an impact in the meeting? Excellent. And then they'll look at me, they're like, uh, yeah, you're right, Chris, it's ego. Excellent. And so, and once again, I think we all need to, one of my philosophies is life should be a ruthless pursuit of passion. And at every, in whatever as, as leaders, as mentors, as coaches, as bosses, our job has evolved. It is up to us to inspire everyone on our team and to help them understand why they were put on this earth. And, and that's that big shift, right? It's asking a lot more of leaders today to become just as much mentors and coaches. Mm-hmm. And part of that is talking about validation addiction, talking about these things of what drives you as a human. And, and that is, that, that's, that's how 
I do things a little differently and what I'm trying to inspire with companies like Nike and others. I want to talk about, before we wrap up this segment, and by the way, I'm glad that you and I see eye to eye on that validation addiction because it's, it's a struggle for all of us. And I don't think that there's a human being out there that doesn't have to some extent a measure of that addiction if, they, uh, if they're breathing still, right? I mean, we all want to be validated. We all want to feel special. We all want to have uh, uh, this, this idea that we matter to other people. And it's important. But I think when you go overboard, it's the, that's where the problems begin. Uh, but I want to talk a little bit about your next book. You've got a book coming out in the fall, Save Your Asks. And I'm curious about the title. I'm curious about the content and what's sure. going to make this book so special. So it is a call to action. And uh, uh, one thing I noticed, I've done lectures at Vanderbilt and other schools, how to network like a mofo. And, and the response with these young people has been unbelievable. That people, I had one of the, I had over 100 students at Vanderbilt University come up to me afterwards, over a hundred of them in the lecture hall, asking me about different questions about how to better network. And I was like, okay, when the pandemic hit, you know, I, one of the big pieces of having a growth mindset is it's really two characteristics, resilience and tenacity. And so when the pandemic hit, I was like, okay, well, who knows how long this is going to last. I should write my next book. And, And what is that book that I should write? And, and what everyone comes to me for is how do you create connection outside of your organization? How are you, people will be like, Chris, how is your network so ridiculous? And so I, I also looked at my over 700,000 unread emails and 99% of them were people going in for an ask. Chris, can I get 15 minutes of your time without doing any research? And I was like, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. I'm going to write the, I'm going to be that painkiller for people. And I can guarantee organizations with some of this material that they can 3X their sales because it's replacing this idea of networking with connecting. Mm-hmm. Just use, instead of saying networking, use the verb connecting. And it is so much more impactful. And so uh, I, I also use the time to connect with some of the uh, best connectors in the world. I talked to, some of the biggest entrepreneurs, um, you know, the, the founder of Warby Parker and Harry's to um, pro surfers to all kinds of stuff. And what I found in everyone's story were different elements that can act as a guiding light and principle for um, other, uh, uh, for any salesperson or networker to follow. So I am really, really excited about, uh, I'm just, I just finished it up. I'm shipping to the publisher next week. But I, I truly do believe this is the book that I was born to write. And, and one of those, those concepts in there, Jamie, is to really talk about what is your currency and then where are your passions and then how do those line up? And, and one thing I encourage everyone is you got to have a side hustle at all times. You got to, I call them eddies. You've got a jet stream. And then out of that jet stream, you need to be curating eddies to evolve your currency. Similar to my story with create, writing this book that then became my main hustle. And so everyone's got to, so I create basically a, a, an outline for everyone to follow as well as tactics to just become literally within seconds of application, better networkers and sellers. You know, you hit the nail. Uh, it's a mic drop. Forget about hitting nail, nail on the head. It's a mic drop. 
it, it's the transitioning from being a networker to a connector is huge, and yet that's another thirty minute conversation. <laughs> yeah. Hey, listen, I'll anytime you want, dude. You will definitely come back because we've got we've got way more to to talk about than we have time. But in our last minute here, I've written ten books, but every book I write, I think about. Who am I writing this book for? Who is the reader of this book? And, uh, you know, there's no shortage of books out there. So save your ass. Who is the reader that this book is written for? Let's clarify that for the audience. Sure. Sure. One thing that bothered me a bit with the Millennial Whisper, because I, I, you know, I sold over 100,000 copies, which is no easy feat, right? Not but at I all, brother. Myself, Not at all. Who, who is it that I'm impacting? And, and it, the truth was, a lot of people I'm impacting are white collared rich people. And, and it bothered me. And I said, all right, with this next book, I want to make sure that I have something that will hit all age groups and, and what anyone, regardless of whether they're the person stocking shelves at the public supermarket can take action on. And so who I'm writing this next book for are is anyone that just graduated from college all the way through to people that are multimillionaires that find themselves somewhat unfulfilled at the job that they're doing on a day-to-day basis. And what's cool is I put this stuff into application with some of my friends around me. We've created two already multi-million dollar businesses by pursuing this construct. And uh, so I'm very confident in the impact that it's going to make. And I could not be any more fired up about it, as you can probably tell. Yeah, brother. Listen, the buzz is certainly abound. Chris, we're going to put up all of your information at our show website, the jmamietalkshow.com, the links to your your website, to your books, so people can track you down for further work, for further uh, talks. I know you're also a keynote speaker and obviously to pick up your books as well. It's been awesome having you on the program, brother. I'm going to hold your feet to the fire that we're going to have you back. I love it. Let's do it. All right, brother. Guys, we're going to be back after the break. iCryo is bringing high-tech wellness to biohacking to a luxury level. iCryo is on a mission to elevate lifestyle. All services are designed to help guests feel better, look better, and push them towards achieving their health and beauty goals. Services include whole body cryotherapy, red light therapy, infrared sauna, IV, vitamin shots, and many, many more. You can visit them at iCryo.com. That's iCryo.com. My recent guest, Travis Ayla, president and founder of Elevated Formula, wants you to know that he can help you build a team and show you the difference on how to work on your business instead of in your business. He'll teach you how to leverage yourself to implement systems and build a team to free yourself from being self-employed. Make sure you visit Travis Ayla at TravisAyla.com. That is T-R-A-V-I-S-A-L-A.com. Welcome back to the Jay Mamie Talk Show with your host, Jay Mamie. Welcome back, everyone, to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. On the line right now is one of our spotlights that I'm excited about. I met Terry Kajarla at a recent event where she lit up the room in the message that she had to say, but also in the energy that she brought to the room. I thought to myself, this is the kind of person that needs to be on the Jay Mamie Talk Show if we're talking about the hour of Thrive Time. So on the line right now, we've got the author of Be the Magic of You, 
Terry Kajarla is with us on the line, but she's also the founder of Talking with Terry, and she's a quantum healer, and I love that. So, Terry, let's dive into it. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. It was great to meet you in person in Dallas. It was. It was. I mean, your energy just just filled that room up, and as I said, I, I said she's <laughs> got to come on the show. we, we got to have people like this on I the was- show. I was so afraid that we were going to get kicked out that day. <laughs> <laughs> well, you did give fair warning. You gave fair warning. so I know, right? <laughs> so, Terry, I want you, if you could, to just share a little bit about your story with our listeners. Yeah. So, I um, back in the day, I became a, I went through and received a master's degree in, um, in counseling. So, I opened up a, a large counseling practice and grew that. Um, to be an owner-independent company, that gave me the freedom to step into what I feel called to do, which is being here with all of you today and traveling and speaking and and really working with um, women entrepreneurs to help them step into, um, you know, their power and their brilliance by, you know, clearing the blocks that are holding them back, you know, consciously and unconsciously and really giving them the tools um, so that they're no longer, you know, sabotaging their success story. And um, I'm the author of the best-selling author uh, book, Be the Magic of You with a Ford by Jack Canfield. Mm-hmm. And um, I've continued to create um, additional products to help my clients along their journeys. And um, yeah, it's, 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 I absolutely love what we do and um, what we're creating. Well, I know that you'd certainly love what you do because you've got uh, the, the energy and the smile and, and certainly uh, the vibrations that fill up the room the minute you start to speak. But I like what you spoke about when you had mentioned that day, uh, you, you coined the phrase energy psychology. I know that you're a subject matter expert in energy psychology, but what is energy psychology and how does it affect one's performance? You know, I think um, you know, the word energy psychology is, you know, a method that combines the mind-body-soul. It's the aspects that connects to the energy of our bodies. I mean, um, one of the ways in which we can do that is tapping into the energy of the body through meridians. And there's other ways as well. I mean, there's tons and tons of modalities, you know, utilizing, you know, more kind of an Eastern-based, you know, process. But if you think about it with the brain, like so often people become kind of programmed into one reality. It's kind of a default mode, if you will. Um, This equals that. And, you know, however, at some point that no longer serves us and we start to, you know, sabotage our success and we, we break, you know, and, and I think the, the work that we get to do is start to break those patterns and create a new default mode that's really here to serve, you know, individuals with the highest and greatest good. So how does that, if someone has that going on, in your opinion, Mm -hmm. how does that enhance somebody's performance? Oh, you know, so often when we are in that place um, where we're, you know, coming from a place of fear, anxiety, worry, doubt, whatever that was, that previous programming, Mm -hmm. that obviously limits us. Mm -hmm. And we can only go and grow to a certain limit, right? And so... When we're able to, you know, kind of clear out that piece of it, I mean, we can really get in alignment with with our truer, you know, our true um, calling, our higher purpose. And when we get into alignment, that's where the juice happens. Like that's when everything starts to fall into place for us, mm-hmm. and we become kind of like this master attractor. 
You know, you're absolutely right. When you find that place of alignment, it just seems like there's an ease of what you draw towards you that allows you to to have a better experience in, in this playground called life. So I totally agree with that. But you speak a lot about quantum physics, you're a quantum uh, healer. And again, that's another aspect of you that I appreciate. Uh, but most people don't know what that is, right? So how can the principles of quantum physics uh, help transform lives? And, and also in the yeah. middle of that, I'm going to give you like a, a three questioner here. What are yeah. the principles? Okay. What are those principles? And, and how can they be applied in, in a sense of helping transform someone's life? Yeah. So when I think about the quantum physics, it's really about physics. It's a, it explains how everything in our universe works. Mm-hmm. And um, if you um, are looking at, there's, there's probably the most known, um, like there's 12 universal laws that govern how energy works. And so we can tap into those laws, if you will, um, because they're, they're just simply laws of the universe. And, and we're, we are um, living our lives through those laws, whether we're conscious of them or not. And so one of those laws that are probably the most perf- people most um, are aware of is the law of attraction. Um, that happens to be one of many, many laws. Um, but, you know, we have, you know, the law of vibration, which I feel like is, you know, even a deeper level of the law of attraction. And there's, you know, again, there's a lot of these laws that govern how we show up and how we do things. And when we're, when we're conscious of these laws, we can actually tap into them. And one of the things that I, that I do working with my clients is I teach them these laws so that they can, ha- they can create more ease into their lives. And they can, they can utilize various um, tools and techniques and strategies um, so that they don't have to effort it's hard. Um, I grew up, you know, I understand the struggle. I was addicted to struggle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it wasn't until I learned these principles that I was like, wait, oh, wait, it can be easier. And then it just became this evidence for myself of like, wow, we can actually create um, consciously um, with more ease in our lives. And we can, we can almost become, I, I always tell my clients, like, I, I do not have a magic wand, but I can get, I can get as close as I possibly can to my clients having that magic wand mm-hmm. by tapping into their brilliance and tapping into that, those, those elements of themselves and really having them own what they are called to do in this world, what their unique gifts are, because everybody has that. If I always ask people, I'm like, what is that inner knowing that, you know, um, that maybe they don't even speak of, but they're like, they know. And when, as soon as you tap into that, they're like, oh, yes, here it is. That's right. And it's pretty profound. Um, we all know. Um, we just have to give ourselves the space to allow that part to be heard. Yeah, there's something to be said about conscious creating. You mentioned that in, in your, in your uh, response here. But there is also the opposite of that. You can consciously, by intention, create but on the other side of that, you also have unconscious activity that's happening. And most people have these unconscious blocks, right? Uh, yeah. So what would you say are some of the unconscious blocks that are so subtle that they become ball and change to a person's personal growth, personal promotion, and personal progress? Yeah, I... Over the years, um, and working with thousands and thousands of clients, um, not only in the counseling world, but also in the coaching world, um, I kind of have like created like the top five blocks. Now, obviously, there's some other ones out there, um, but I think for the clients that I work with, especially the high achieving women, um, there's limiting beliefs. Mm-hmm. Um, and so some of those limiting beliefs all, you know, 
wind down to I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not, I'm not something enough. Um, so we have the limiting beliefs. We have self-sabotage um, where they have created a self-imposed limitation. And it doesn't matter how, you know, hard they try. They just, they constantly are on that spinning wheel of sabotaging movement forward. Um, you know, overwhelm and burnout because we say yes to things that we shouldn't be saying yes to. Um, we, you know, put so much on our plates and, and women, you know, tend to, you know, go to that place of burnout, which again, energetically is not in their highest, highest, um, highest and greatest good. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would say, you know, get, you know, becoming overwhelmed with fear. I mean, this last year, we obviously have seen this on a global standpoint um, and just getting quote, what I call, call getting stuck, um, getting stuck in the muck, which is, you know, that fear, doubt, worry, insecurity, and they're not able to get out of that. And they might stay there for long periods of time. And then the last one um, that I see a lot is the imposter syndrome where, and I am telling you, I, I have a lot of women that have created amazingly successful businesses and they're like, how did I get here? This is not, this is, I shouldn't be here. Um, how is it that I have a you know $2.1 million company and I feel like I'm not even good enough for this. I feel like a fraud. I feel like a fake, you know? Mm. And so, you know, those, those blocks, Obviously, and just as I'm as I'm saying them, you can see how that can directly impact a person's life, um, not only in their personal life but also in their business, and being able to grow that because if they're coming from a place of like that unconscious thought process of like I'm not enough, I'm not, how can I be doing this? Whatever those things are, that gets unplayed, that gets played out constantly, unconsciously, and it doesn't allow them to really, you know, grow their business in the way that they could. You know, that's a syndrome that a lot of people struggle with, this idea that yes. uh, to the outside world, they are successful, right? To the outsider looking in, they're successful. But for that resident of that home, <laughs> they're struggling yes. with with uh, believing that they've actually, uh, that they deserve and are worthy of the success they're having. And that's a whole other conversation for another time, right? <laughs> yes, absolutely. We can but, talk about this stuff all day long. All day long. But in our last couple of minutes here, uh, I've got a segment the, the closes out the, um, I've got a, a part of the segment that closes out all of my interviews where it's the my guest says so in your c- case here in our last minute what are the three things that Terry says that can be implemented immediately with our listeners uh, you know I always say you know be bold be brave be fearless and be the magic of you mm. and when we tap into you know just doing it scared we can we can transform the world. So do it scared. <laughs> That's amazing. So be bold. Terry says, pay attention, guys. Terry says, be bold, be brave, right? And the magic of fearless, right? Fantastic. Where could people find a little bit more about you, Terry, as we close out the segment? Yes, they can always check me out at Talking with Terry. That's T-E-R-I dot com. All my links and all of the ways in which you can connect and collaborate are listed there. Um, and then if folks want to grab a freebie, um, I would invite them to go to talkingwithterry.com forward slash mindset. And I have a free download that has three tools that you can start implementing today um, to start having a bigger impact in your world. Terry, we appreciate you being on the show. We look forward to having you again as a guest in the future with more of the goodies that you offer. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you so much. Folks, that wraps up another fantastic week of Thrive Minded content. Make sure you're back next Sunday. Until then, keep thriving.